This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. The second major championship of 2020 is upon us, the 120th plane of the U.S. Open from Winged Foot in New York. Hello, welcome in to At The Turn. I am Joe. I'm very excited for this U.S. Open, Nick. A weird U.S. Open, but nonetheless, I'm pumped that it's here. Joe, before we get into our U.S. Open uh, preview, I just want to give you a quick story from another major championship that that did not quite come to fruition. So, uh, Joe and I were supposed to get together for some golf this week. We were going to have, uh, have some buddies, 36 holes, call it a little at-the-turn invitational and have maybe the start of a great annual tradition for at-the-turn. But the, uh, the wildfires in the Northwest didn't didn't uh, allow that to happen but i still came out here and at the turn sponsored a golf tournament at the university of idaho and we had a tea sign so i'm playing golf in the morning before the tournament was which was in the afternoon they said hey what hole do you want your tea sign on and uh my favorite hole in that course is the fifth hole it's a downhill par three um is it really yeah i like that hole because you know what i tend to miss it left there's a big, huge funnel on the left that just pushes the ball right into the hole. So, so my favorite hole. So I should put it on the fifth hole. Maybe there'll be some backups there on the par three. We'll get some extra, some extra eyes on our sign. So I'm buzzing around. We're uh, sitting on the tenth tee, and one of the assistant pros is coming up. He's putting all the tee signs in. And he's putting our tee sign on the tenth hole. He's banging one in, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm, so, I'm surprised you guys didn't put your sign on this hole." I'm like, "Why?" He's like. Because you would be at the turn. <laughs> oh, my God. What a missed opportunity <laughs> to have the at the turn T sign at the turn of the golf tournament. But, alas, we would like to thank the University of Idaho Golf Course for offering to host our tournament that didn't quite happen and uh, Blues Ridge over Washington State. So, we had some fun with some buddies. It wasn't quite the, uh, the weekend we thought it might be, but maybe sometime in the future. A classic at the turn blunder. Yeah, that... <laughs> That's by far the most logical place to put it at the damn turn. Uh, 
I love it. Well, that blunder, Nick, almost as bad as making double bogey on the 72nd hole with a one-shot lead in the U.S. Open. That's what, look, that's what, that's the story of what this golf tournament is going to be in 2020, is what happened in 2006. And Nick will, Nick and I will get to our dark horse, our contenders, and our winners. We're looking for our second consecutive major champion of 2020 that we've identified going into the tournament. Nick called out Colin Morikawa and our PGA Championship preview. I will say this is a lot more sober than that preview is going to be. Um, we had some fun with the PGA, Nick, but we're recording this in the morning, and I think we're both of much more sound mind. And I think I feel pretty good about my picks. I feel pretty I, good about my picks. I think I'm going to give some people – I bet you there's going to be multiple people who take action on some of the advice that I'm going to give today. That, that's all I'm going to say. But I'm glad you alluded to that 72nd hole double bogey from Phil Mickelson, is who I'm sure you're talking about, but people yes. do forget – that two players made a double bogey on that hole and lost by one stroke. So, yeah. Well, I was going to say, why don't, we, why don't we actually start with the person that people don't talk about in relation to this tournament? So, Colin Montgomery is the best player from Europe in the 1990s. He won eight money titles. They call it the Order of Merit on the European Tour. From 1993 to 1999, Colin Montgomery won the European Tour Order of Merit every single year. So he won the money title seven years in a row. I'm not going to say he was the Tiger Woods of Europe because he didn't win any majors, but that's the he's, he won the fourth most European Tour titles of all time. He's won 31. He has five runner-up finishes in major championships. And going into this U.S. Open, because Phil had won a pile of majors at that point, I think he won three going into this tournament, Colin Montgomery for probably a 10 to 12, maybe 15-year stretch, along with Phil for a while. Phil broke through with the 04 Masters. Colin Montgomery was the guy identified as the best player never to win a major for a long stretch of his career when he was one of the top players in the world. And he was sort of toward the twilight of his career during this tournament, the 06 U.S. Open, which is why it would have been such a big story. And not that Colin Montgomery would have been viewed as a much different golfer, but he never won in the U.S., Ever. He didn't even win like the FedEx St. Jude Classic. He didn't win the Texas Open. He won nothing. Now, he played predominantly in Europe, so he didn't have as many opportunities as some European players who bounced between continents. But, Nick, this is a guy who was a Ryder Cup stalwart, won a bunch, sniffed a bunch of major championships. He actually birdied the 71st hole, was in the fairway on the 72nd hole, needed to make a par to post plus four. Okay, so the winning score was plus five. He could have posted plus four with a par from the fairway on the 72nd hole. This is one of the best iron players of the last 30 years. And he ends up making a double bogey from the middle of the fairway. This blunder arguably is worse than Phil's. That that approach shot he hit on the 72nd hole was, I mean, for somebody who is, like you said, the best iron player of his generation or one of the top. It was a pretty terrible iron shot. And I did, with your advice, I went back and watched the final round of, of that uh, championship over the last, like, I don't know, nine holes of the broadcast. And, um, yeah, that was that was just as bad. I mean, that was clearly, I think, more of a choke job. Phil's was just mental error, like, no, no, re no need to hit driver there. But that was more of a choke job. Like, you're in the middle of the fairway and you just – fail to hit an adequate shot. Yeah, so Phil 
getting to him, he has a one-shot lead on the 72nd hole. Um, he's the last group out there. And I, I didn't remember this, Nick. Phil Mickelson, if he would have made a par on that 72nd hole, he would have won three consecutive majors and had a yeah. chance to go to the British Open to win a Phil slam. So that's yeah. where Phil was. Phil also, if Phil makes a par on that hole and wins the U.S. Open at Wingfoot, he would have been number one in the world, something miraculously he never did in his career. Phil's well, never been the number one player in the world, and he would have been that if he won. So, so many things on the line for Phil in this tournament. I mean, it's been discussed at nauseum. I'm talking about it here because I have to assume Golf Channel is going to replay this multiple times this week leading up to the U.S. Open. Um, it, it, it was remarkable. I mean, Phil hits a terrible tee shot, bounces off a hospitality tent, hits a terrible second shot, has a shot in out of the rough, hits it into a fried egg lie in the bunker, pitches out, has a chip, which he needs to hold to get into a playoff with Jeff Ogilvie, the eventual winner. He misses it, makes a good seven-footer for double bogey, <laughs> and that's all she wrote, baby. Yeah, I mean, it's... <sighs> At what point did Phil know he was going to lose that tournament? Was it, it, it if you go back and watch it's almost like he knows on the tee box he's got to find a way to lose. And then he hits that shot, that drive that's middle of nowhere. He's still trying to lose it. He he smashes a second one off a tree, advances at 25 yards. It literally felt like me playing the last hole to win $5 off Matt Voorhees. Uh, when I, I'm just smashing it behind trees and, and chunking it barely up the fairway and then getting myself in a bunker. I mean, that's like, that's like any one of your golf buddies, like trying to win two bucks in the last hole and just completely falling apart. So golf digest did a really good oral history. I assume it's online. I get the, the print copy here, but I read it this morning of, you know, all the main players, right? Phil, Jeff Ogilby, Monty, the course announcers. And Phil talks about, the tee shot is not the issue. It's not the tee shot that he has the issue with. It's the second shot because he well, thought it was a shot. That. Yeah, he, he thought it was a shot that he should pull off, and it was just a mental mistake. Like you said, it is – and Johnny Miller, you know, God love him, was criticizing Phil on the broadcast because basically saying, you know, Phil hit two fairways that day. And for Phil Mickelson to hit two fairways of the final round of the U.S. Open and win is – I think Johnny Miller would have melted into a puddle on the spot. He's not able to accept that someone can win a U.S. Open that way. And ultimately, it did catch up to Phil. But I think what's so frustrating from Phil's perspective is if he kind of would have pulled himself back and just said, okay, hey, look, I know I could probably pull this shot off, but if I just pitch it to the middle of the fairway, I have 200 yards out. I get up and down, I win the U.S. Open. I put it on the green and two putt. I'm in a playoff with Jeff Ogilvie. I'm going to beat Jeff Ogilvie on a Monday. But Rick Smith, Phil's, Phil Mickelson's coach, said, I know what Phil was thinking on the tee. Phil is thinking, I'm going to hit a big drive. I'm going to make a birdie. I'm going to win this U.S. Open. And unfortunately, Phil being Phil is probably why he won so many times. But it's also why he's finished runner-up at the U.S. Open six times. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that mindset of, of go win it. But, you know, hindsight, we, we have the, the advantage of hindsight. And clearly watching that train wreck is painful. But, Joe, did you see... You and I clearly have no faith in Phil Nicholson, but somebody else out there has $45,000 worth of faith in Phil Nicholson. Did you see this? I did, yeah. So 75 to 1 odds. Uh, a better put $45,000 on Phil to win the U.S. Open, a bet that would pay north of 
$7.3 million. So I wanted to ask you, what's the most amount of money at 75 to 1 that you would bet today that Phil, win, Phil wins the U.S. Open? Well, first of all, I'd like to ask you a question. Um, is this Phil Mickelson? <laughs> Did Phil Mickelson place this bet on Phil Mickelson? <laughs> <laughs> That just occurred you know, to me that that's a possibility. It, it is entirely possible. I don't know if, like, when people report these these bets and the wagers and the amounts and everything, if they know the name associated with it or they just have the details of the bet. Because Phil was pretty quick to tweet about it and be like, yeah, like, I, I hope that this is the case. But I'm I mean, sure pretty classic. <laughs> I'm sure Phil has connections at, like, you know, major sports books in the, in the UK, in the US. And someone probably hit up his agent and said, hey. Uh, someone put this on Phil, makes it a lot of fun. And Phil, of course, having a great time with it, tweeting about it, saying, hoping for both of us, I have a three-shot lead on the 18T, <laughs> which is just, you got to love Phil. That's why I love the guy so much. I absolutely uh, love it, yeah. But to answer your original question, uh, I would put 50 bucks on Phil to win the U.S. Open at 75 to 1, or even a, a bigger number or smaller number, mostly because it's fun. It's fun to have, not that you need anything else to pull for Phil to win the U.S. Open, but I think it's fun to have a little action on Phil. Because he's Phil, man. That's the guy you want action on, even at this stage of his career. What about you? Yeah, I think five bucks. I mean, it's it's basically like a donation to the casino at that point. I mean, I'm not expecting him to win, so I'm not going to put 50 bucks up. Um, if I thought it was someone, somebody I'll talk about has even better odds um, that I would put more money on because this person actually has a chance to win. Well, here's I don't the thing. think Phil has a chance to win, so it's a donation. Well, his last so his last runner-up finish was at Marion in 2013. Lost to a shot, uh, a lost by a shot rather to Justin Rose. Here's his last six U.S. Opens. Okay, here are his finishes: T28, T64, missed cut, DNP, T48, T52, and the last one was at Pebble Beach, where he's won five times. So he's not much of a contender. I guess you could look at the fact that he won on the champions tour a couple of weeks ago and get excited about it. But I watched him play pretty much his entire second round in Napa, the Safeway open the tournament leading up to this on the PGA tour. Eh, he doesn't have his a game, his B game, or even a C game right now. So did, did he well, miss the cut? I, I haven't followed that tournament. I'm pretty sure he missed the cut. It, I, um, didn't watch he, it. he, he, he was hitting the ball like a guy who was going to miss the cut. Now <laughs> I, I enjoy Phil. He's my favorite golfer of all time for, for obvious reasons. I don't think really any explanation is needed there. But I I just, I don't know, man. Do you see him getting it done no in chance. any way, shape, or form? Like, do you see no any scenario? No chance. No chance. No chance. I would absolutely love to be sitting on my couch next Sunday pulling for Phil to pull it off. But no chance. No chance. The oh. guys at the top of their games right now are so good. Phil cannot compete with the guys we're about to talk about now here's the thing i misspoke phil actually rallied late on friday shot a 67 shot a 70 yesterday um we're recording this early on Tell sunday he's, so winning the tournament. <laughs> he's not he's not winning the tournament he's currently uh, as we're recording seven shots back as he's starting his fourth round it's not no he he made the cut so good for him he rallied um but again wingfoot u.s open there's just However much bad juju someone could have at a place, that's what Phil has there. To his credit, I will add, before we get to our picks, in that oral history, something very cool about Phil, which I enjoyed. So it didn't make the air, but Phil Mickelson is sitting with Amy, his wife, and Roger Malpe, who's the on-course reporter, also the name of my brother's dog, Roger Malpe, um, had, <laughs> I had to throw that in here, um, 
the producer's in his ear yelling, you got to get an interview with Phil. you got to get an interview with Phil. And Maltby's like, well, you know, Jesus, what do you, what do you want me to do? The guy just had his heart ripped out. But he hangs out. He hangs outside the scorer's tent. He's not allowed to go in. hangs outside. And eventually Phil emerges and he says, okay, I'm ready to talk. The second Phil says he's ready to talk, the producer tells Maltby, hey, we got a heart out. We can't get Phil. And so it's like, what? You're not going to have this incredible interview? But to Phil's credit, he not only did that, but I guess leading up to the U.S. Open, Phil was there. He played like the course a dozen times. Someone who worked at the course described him as basically being a member for like the two, three months leading up to the tournament. And he went around to like everybody, like everybody at the golf course, gave him a thousand bucks, fifteen hundred bucks as a tip just to thank them for everything after that all happened. So Phil gets a lot of guff for, you know, perhaps some performative behavior, kind of being this parody of himself. But at the worst moment of his career, he still had the foresight to be a gentleman and take care of people that aren't in the same financial situation as him. I think that speaks to a lot of Phil's character. Well, you know, I, I feel like Phil's the kind of guy who who wants to win, but then at the same time, like five minutes after he blows the lead and finishes second, he's like, "Hey, I still just won like nine hundred seventy-five thousand dollars." <laughs> like, totally. Second place like at the someone, U.S. Open pays really well. I feel like if someone were to be like, "Hey, Phil, like, what's up with those six second place finishes?" He'd be like, "Yeah," he'd know like the exact number. Like, yeah, it was worth like seven point five million. What'd you get for all your second place finishes? And just like totally play it off. Well, that's that's what and that just reminds me of one of my favorite like small moments that I saw. So like um, in, in golf back in the early 80s and then we'll get to our picks. I promise this is my last thing. Back in the early 80s, um, Scott Verplank, who won a bunch of times in the PGA Tour, was an amateur and he was battling Jim Thorpe um, for the PGA Tour title. And Verplank won the tournament as an amateur and Jim Thorpe finished second. And so they interviewed Verplank and he's very excited and he's all happy. And then they interviewed Jim Thorpe and they said, Jim, it, it's, it's you know, you played very well. I mean, what, what are your thoughts losing to an amateur like this? Like, and it was kind of a dumb question. He's like, oh, you know, what are your what are your thoughts? Do you do you feel bad? And you just kind of pause. And he said, I still get the winner's check. <laughs> Which I thought was such a good answer. It's true. Yeah, you still yeah. get the winner's check. So very good consolation prize. I feel like Phil has the same sort of perspective on things. So before Nick. We, before we get into yes. our picks, I'm yes. sorry. No, um, I think we got to talk about Brooks. WGN from this from this championship. Um, I did kind of mention after the PGA Championship, he looked like he was not in a good way. He's being stretched out. He's kind of grimacing. He didn't did not finish strong, not the way we expected him to finish. And now here we are a month later, and he's WD from the U.S. Open. He said he can't wait to get healthy and be competitive again. Um, I don't know what's specifically wrong with him, but. I'm getting the feeling this is the end of the Brooks run. We had a oh, Rory wow. run. Really? We had we had a Jordan Spieth run. And I'm thinking we had a Brooks run. I think this is the end of the Brooks run. Well, I think that's an interesting point that I hadn't considered. But we what was his last major championship win then? The 19 PGA championship. So that would have been I mean we, we, this will only have been four majors since Brooke won his, won his last major. Is that is that enough? Does, he currently does not hold a major. Okay. Is that enough to say that the Brooks run is over? In and of itself, no. But if he's injured now, he's got to rehab, get healthy again, try to find – I feel like trying to find your form once you've kind of gone through something else in between is like is like 
the most fleeting thing, like trying to remember a dream where it just becomes more and more fuzzy the harder you try to remember. So I, I'm just thinking this is going to be a Rory. Rory hasn't won a major in like getting close to a decade. Jordan Spieth looked like he'd never lose another major again. He hasn't won in a while. I think that Brooks was same story. He was dominant for a short period of time, but now his run is over. I, I bet you he does not win another major in the next three years. Whoa. So you think we're going to be sitting here, um, what, at the end of the 2023 season, and Brooks Kefka is not going to have his fifth major championship? Yes, I do think that. Well, I think that's that's it's always easier to predict someone is not going to win majors as opposed to winning majors. It's really hard yeah. to do it, man. So many more guys it's, don't win them. Yes, that's exactly right. Um, I'm not ready to say his run is over. There's still another major championship coming up in mid-November, the Masters. Um, there's a chance he could play. It's two months away. There's a chance he could play that. Brooks, um, I think he's wired a little bit differently. Perhaps some time away will make him, like, I don't know, tighten up a little bit as opposed to just trying to go out and beat Bryson. I mean, we forget. Brooks had a shot to win the PGA Championship this year. He had yeah. a shot to win the tournament. He, he didn't. Good, he didn't. Chance. But I'm not ready to declare his run over. But him okay. being out of the U.S. Open is obviously very notable since he's won two out of the last three. Yeah. All right. Anything on uh, winged foot or just go into the picks? I don't really have anything on winged foot other than that the uh, – I think the greens are going to be very interesting. And you're going to have to putt well and, and control, um, you know, really read those lines and speeds just yeah. like, you know, putting. They've had a pile of major championships there. This is the sixth U.S. Open. In doing research, I found a fun note. So the course opened in 1923. The first U.S. Open was played there in 1929, won by Bobby Jones over Al Espinoza. They got they were in a playoff. They were at plus six. Do you care to guess how many strokes Bobby Jones won that 36-hole playoff by over oh, Al he Espinoza? Won, he won by like by like 20 or something. 23 strokes. <laughs> he won by 23 strokes. That means yeah. two out of every three holes, he was picking up a stroke on poor Al. Now, <laughs> it's the same situation where Bobby Jones was an amateur his whole career, obviously. Al Espinosa was a pro, so Al took home the winner's share. Do you care to guess what the winner's share was in 1929? Um, I'll bet you in 1929 the winner's share was maybe five five grand. 1,000 American dollars. 1,000? Okay. Yeah. All right. So there you go. This is the sixth time it would have been played there. Uh, the winners, besides Bobby Jones, Billy Casper, Hale Irwin, Fuzzy Zeller, and, of course, the aforementioned Jeff Ogilvy. But, Nick, we need to crown the sixth winner of the U.S. Open at Winged Foot. Are you ready to do that right now? I am. I am. So for those of you who have not checked out one of our major championship previews. Here's how we do it. We'll both pick a dark horse, a contender, and then our winner. I believe Colin Morikawa was your contender for the PGA Championship. That right, Nick? Uh, he may even have been my dark horse. There you go. But At hey, the time, he was a, he was a never won a major. You know, he he, he no, never no, no. Had, was a, Not a to diminish yeah. your pick. No, okay. Not at all. Okay, nope. do you want to go first with your dark horse and we'll ping pong? I do. I have such a good dark horse. It's, it's incredible. Okay. <laughs> This guy, 125 to 1. Mm. He won on the PGA Tour in 2020. He's the kind of player who is either going to miss the cut by a million or be in the top five. He's a very streaky player from week to week. He can catch lightning in a bottle and, and just get it done. He had four, he's had four top 10 finishes 
in each of the last three years. He's 21 years old. 21. The young Chilean. <laughs> Joaquin Neiman. I should have known. I should, should have known. known. Your boy. What is he Absolutely at? One, 125 to one? Yeah. Now let me ask you, you a very afford, important you question. You can't afford not to. Can I, can I ask you an important question you may not know the answer to? I'm sorry to call you out. Um, are you 100%? I'm not saying 90%. Are you 100% certain Joaquin Neiman's in the field for the U.S. Open? I am. I am. And I actually oh. did check. Okay, good. Um, he got in by virtue of being among the top 50 in the world, like, in sometime in August. He's in literally number 50. Oof. Good <laughs> boy. Okay, Joaquin Neiman, 125 to 1. Well, look, you've been on him for a few years now, so I shouldn't be surprised. I hope he plays well for you. Boy, I hope he wins. I hope he wins, too. I mean, this uh, is the one, if you're out there listening, this is the guy to put 10 or 20 bucks on. If that hits, that's huge. Take a flyer. Why not? Why not? So my dark horse will also come as no surprise. He has won 44 times on the PGA Tour. He is a five-time major winner. Nick, I don't know if you know this. We've got to start approving these, these, these picks. What is, categories they fall into. He is a six-time U.S. Open runner-up. In fact, he finished second at the 2006 U.S. Open at Winged Foot. He won on the Champions Tour a couple weeks ago. He's climbing up the leaderboard right now in Napa at the Safeway <laughs> Open. At 8-1, my dark horse to win the U.S. Open is Phil Mickelson. You're not surprised, are you? You can't. I don't know how you can have. No, I'm not surprised you picked him. I, I knew you'd have him in there. I thought at least contender. I don't know. We might need to define these, these Wait. categories. Wait. A five-time major champion and six-time U.S. Open runner-up. I'm not sure. 44-time PJ Tour winner falls into a dark horse category. Dark horse, okay. I think, should be a guy that, like, maybe wasn't on your radar um, heading into the tournament. You know what? I'll let it fly. But after the Masters, going into 2021, we need to define these categories a little bit better because, I, okay. I don't know, Joe, you're, you're, pull, you're pulling a fast one. Am I? Who? who I'm going to ask you a question. Who do, who okay. do you think is ranked higher in the world right now, Joaquin Neiman or Phil Mickelson? I know for a fact Joaquin Neiman is ranked higher. Yeah. That's why he's a dark horse because he wasn't on people's <laughs> radar. Phil's nipping at his heels. Phil's Joaquin old- Neiman is 50 and Phil's 51 in the world right now. <laughs> <laughs> Look, the man's never – he – this, my pick has famously lost the U.S. Open six times. You know what we don't talk about? You know when Payne Stewart, there's a trophy built. There's a trophy built at Pinehurst to Phil Mickelson losing the U.S. Open. Payne Stewart pumping his fist? You know who was on the 72nd green with him? Phil Mickelson! He is the most famous loser of this golf tournament in history. There is no way he wins, yet I am so excited to pick him as my dark horse. At 80 to 1, Phil Mickelson, the quintessential dark horse, my friend. All right. I don't know. All right. We'll see. I hope, I hope he does great. It would be great for our viewing experience ah. if he is in contention over the week. I almost, I'm not sure what would be better if he wins or finishes second. Oh my God. Finishing second <laughs> would be a nightmare. Are you kidding me? I wouldn't wish that upon him. At age 50, he'd be the oldest major winner. Yeah, uh, okay. Anyway, no, it would I, be, yeah. Joe, I have, I have, um, a favor to ask you while I'm going through my contender. So yeah. a week or two ago when I was watching that U.S. Open final from 06, I just tweeted out there a poll. Who would you rather see win the U.S. Open, Tiger or Phil? And um, I don't have the resources in front of me to go find the results of that poll. But while I'm giving you my contender, if you can find it, 
and, and give us the results afterwards. That would be awesome. I'm on it. Okay. So my contender, and, and this one I, I could probably get roasted for having as a contender because he's probably going to win the tournament. I'm almost, I'm actually almost sure he's going to win the tournament. Um, this man has I never won a major. I'm just going to say, I think we have some overlap in these picks. Okay, because you're, you're that confident in your picks as well. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's probably the same guy. So this guy's never won a major before, but he has finished second at the Tour Championship the last two years. He has two top threes in majors in 2019. He finished yep. tied for second at the Masters, tied for third at the U.S. Open. At 20 to 1, Xander Schauffele. Yeah. Can't, can't not. Yeah, that's actually that's actually my winner. <laughs> yeah, I mean his his stats are incredible. He has top tens in six of his last eleven majors. Like you said, he's finished T three, T two in the last two U.S. Opens. He's won four times in the PGA Tour. He's always right there. Um, he's gonna get it done at a major eventually. For someone to knock on the door that much and also have won before, it's it the the inevitability is there in a way that I don't think it's there for any other young American on the PGA tour. Yeah. One, one of the things I look for in major winners is like, how close have they come in the past? Like, have they been right. in contention in majors before you see it so many times before Adam Scott won his masters, he choked away the British open and you, you kind of see that pattern. So guys who have been right in the mix and are kind of comfortable there, those are the guys who, who break through. So he's definitely going to win. Um, I, I throw some serious cash at 20 to one on him for sure. That's a pretty good number. Actually. I saw him at 16 to one, but 20 to one is pretty good. Um, Nick, I have the poll results. Um, okay. very, very close. Um, 45% want Phil to win 54% want tiger to win. So it's close. I'm a little surprised by that. Um, but you know, people love tiger. He moves the needle as they say. He does. You know, I um, I think watching the final that final round, I was rooting for Phil so hard that I, I might have been rooting for Phil. But I think like 99% of the time, I would I would say I'd rather see Tiger win. But I think, I don't know, it's tough. How many votes did we get on that? We got quite a bit. Yeah, we got enough. Um, we, okay. we got some, we got some, <laughs> sounds like a lot. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. We, got. Yeah, we got some good votes on that. I mean, also Phil would become, I think the sixth or seventh guy to win the career grand slam. So the amount of things on the line for, okay. Anyway, it'd be a big deal if Phil won the U S open. Um, well, that was my winner. Do you want to give, okay, I'll give my contender. Give us your contender. So yeah. I am shocked that this guy is, uh, has as big of a odds as he does. I think as far as value, and chance to win, this was by far the best person that I saw on this board. This guy fits both of the criteria Nick just laid out. Someone who has been very close to winning major championships, someone who has won before. Additionally, this man is in very good form right now. He finished T3 at the Portugal Masters in Europe. He is 16th in the world right now. He has finished in the top five, two out of the last three U.S. Opens, including finishing second to Brooks Kepka at Shinnecock, the number 16th ranked player in the world at 33 to one from England, Tommy Fleetwood is my contender. That's exactly who I thought you were getting at. Yeah, um, 
God, ball it. striking, Nick. You got to strike the ball to win U.S. Opens, and that's you what do. this man does. You I do. would be he, he might win. I would be really, really shocked if either Tommy or Xander don't put a really good run together at this U.S. Open. Like if Tommy Fleetwood missed the cut, I would be shocked because ball striking is so streaky. And even though he's got to go from Portugal to New York, he probably is on that flight right now. This is a guy. Shinnecock is in New York, so he's got good vibes in this area of the world. I really think Tommy is going to put a run together. And at 33 to 1, 33 yeah. to 1, that's a that is really good, good number that you got to jump on. So Tommy Fleetwood is my contender. And as I mentioned, Xander Schauffele, Nick's contender, is my winner. Nick, who's going to win? Dustin Johnson. I mean, ah. you, you would be a fool to not pick Dustin Johnson would to I? win the championship. At 8 to 1, not the best value in the world, but uh, his last four tournaments, he's got two wins and two second place finishes. One of those second place finishes is only because John Rahm made like a million foot putt to uh, to to beat him on the, in the playoff hole. So he's clearly the best golfer in the world right now. And as much as I look for guys who have who can hit fairways and who can make putts and guys who play the course well and guys who are ready to break through, you know who the best prediction of who's going to win a major is tell me who's the best player and dustin johnson is the best player the best players win the most often and, and he's the best player i'm going to give you some uh some reasons why he may not win are you ready i am lee jansen sandy lyle fuzzy zeller tony jacklin retief goosen martin keimer you know what these guys all have in common? They've won more major championships than Dustin Johnson. I get it. The man wins a lot. He is far and away the favorite going into this golf tournament. You cannot make an argument that he is not the favorite, considering how well he played in the playoffs, how dominant he looked. His form is, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, his form is probably the best it's ever been. Reminiscent of what it was going into the 2017 Masters, where he was the overwhelming favorite, was unable to play the golf tournament. Now, this is a little bit different because the U.S. Open is later in the year and he is peaking at an event that he has won before. This is arguably the event that Dustin Johnson has performed the best in in his career. He would have won consecutive U.S. Opens had he not three-putt the 72nd green at Chambers Bay in 2015, winning the following year. And I really think he has an opportunity to win, but as strange as it sounds, I would be surprised if he won the U.S. Open. The only way he wins, and I'd be surprised if he disagree, is if he wins by several shots. That's how he won the U.S. Open in 2016. I'd be surprised if he was able to beat someone down the stretch because he's never done that in a major championship and he's had many opportunities to. I get the temptation to pigeonhole somebody into what they've done in the past, but just because he hasn't pulled out a, a gritty win doesn't mean that he can't or won't do it at the U.S. Open. You're right. You're, you, you're absolutely right. But it's not like Dustin Johnson is 25 or 28 or 31. He's now 36, Nick. He's been a stalwart on the PGA Tour for 13, 14 years. We're, we're moving past the territory of where, you know, we can say, well, maybe he's going to change who he is. What's the best prediction of future behavior? Past behavior. And I hope I'm wrong because DJ winning four, five, six majors 
will, I think, elevate him to the category of player that he should be thought of as because the lack of majors is always going to be um, a negative against him because that's just how we judge golfers, unfortunately. But I just don't see Dustin Johnson winning a major by one shot down the stretch. It's possible, sure, but we haven't seen it, and that's the situation he's been in a lot, and he hasn't gotten it done. I'm not saying he won't win. He very well may. I would just be surprised if he won by one shot. Wouldn't be surprised if he won by five or six. Of all these scenarios we've painted with all these different picks we've put together, Dustin Johnson winning by six shots is the absolute last thing I'm rooting for. I mean, that's just no fun for anybody. Not that I don't want him to win, and I think that he deserves more than one major for his career. His resume is certainly worthy of it. It just doesn't sound like, like fun to watch Dustin Johnson pummel the field. No, it doesn't. Neither of us mentioned um, John Rahm, who I think. Yeah, that's that's the big, that's the other big one that I thought for sure would be on one of our lists. I mean, it would be a shame to ignore him. He's clearly right up there with DJ as head and shoulders above everybody else right now in terms of the level of golf they're playing. Didn't mention Tiger, who's number 20 in the world right now. Tiger just doesn't seem to be in form right now. I hope he makes the cut and we get to see him play. Yeah. I hope we get to see Tiger play four rounds at the U.S. Open. That's what I'm rooting for there. Um, Lacey, the the announcer for At The Turn, Lacey, she has a pick. Um, number number 38 player in the world. Um, referred to as that guy from the State Farm commercials, Ricky Fowler, is her winner of the U.S. Open. So um, we'll see if, if, if Ricky can get it done or contend. Haven't heard much out of him since the restart, Nick. Um, so, yeah, no, that's I was what watching we have. The, uh... I was watching the 2013 final round as well. And uh, Ricky was in contention that day. And I'm like, oh, my God, look at this 2013. We've been talking about Ricky winning his first major since 2013, at least. I mean, look, 2014, the best year of his career. He finished top five in all four majors. Zero wins, though. To recap, my picks, my dark horse at 80 to 1, Phil Mickelson, my contender at 33 to 1. Ooh, that's tasty. Tommy Fleetwood and my winner. I have him at 16 to 1. Nick has him at 20 to 1. So we'll say 18 to 1. Xander Schauffele. Nick. My dark horse, just throw a few bucks on Joaquin Neiman at 125 to 1. <laughs> if he gets hot this week, you're going to regret not doing it. If he goes into the final round, like in third, you're going to be so mad you didn't put five. I hope that happens. To one. I hope that happens. My contender, Xander Schauffele, I'm 20 to 1. He's probably going to win the tournament. And. DJ at eight to one. He's the best player in the world. How can you not pick him to win the U.S. Open? It's still terrible value. Like he, it is I, terrible. I know he's don't, the don't favorite, but on him. No. don't don't do that. Those are like Tiger in like 2007 odds. Don't uh-huh. don't do that. Um, well, that does it for our U.S. Open preview. Please enjoy the golf tournament, um, Nick. I'm trying to play. So here's here's what I'm trying to do Sunday of the U.S. Open. I um, stupidly agreed to play 36 holes with my buddies on Sunday of the U.S. Open, but. I'm going to bring my phone and like a portable phone charger and just leave that baby in the golf cart and like just watch it and play golf. I'm going to try to pull this off and see what happens. No chance that's going to work out for you. No no way. I'm actually kind of convincing myself it could work. I mean, good luck. <laughs> Use promo code TURN10 at checkout precisionprogolf.com. All the latest rangefinders, please check them out. They have a lot of good product. You can get a sweet discount if you use Turn 10 at checkout. Um, Nick, have a safe flight. I'm pumped for this golf tournament. All right. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll talk after. All right, man. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time at The Turn.